0: Uh, We continue our sermon series today entitled The Journey, and today's message is titled The Guide, all right? And it's from uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. You know, last week we invited our church family and friends to join us on a journey, and we started that journey by talking about the destination, and we made it very clear uh, that uh, we want the destination to be making disciples. That's where we want to end up as individuals, and that's where we want to end up as a church. We must never be satisfied, ended up just building a building or or, or doing church. We must make disciples because making disciples is about investing in people. Ultimately, I'll say this. Discipleship is about making sure that people have an intimate and genuine walk with Jesus Christ. That's really what discipleship is about, helping somebody have that genuine walk with Jesus that is also an intimate walk with him. Now, as we think about taking a journey and and making it to the destination, here's what we all know. In life, we've had this experience. When we want to get to the right place, we make sure that we have the right guide, right, that's going to get us there. As I think about even being a kid when I was little, if we were going to take a trip, what you'd get is you'd have a road map right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? When those big roadmaps you'd fold it out, it'd be about yay big, all right? And you'd say, oh, I'm going here. And then you say, I'm here. And then you try to find your way. Here's the road that's going to get me, right? Because I had a roadmap. Now, it, it, some of you who are a little bit fancier than I was, maybe you had a road atlas, You know the difference, right? The Road Atlas is basically like a a big magazine or book, and you could flip the pages, and it would have a page for every state, and sometimes they would even have the bigger cities. It would have a map of that big city, and so you'd have more detail, more roads, uh, you know, more, more, more direction to help you get where you're going. Now, after that, though, some people got real fancy, and here's what they did. They joined this thing called AAA. Right? Y'all know what that is, right? And so if they were going to take a a, a trip, they would go down to their local AAA agent and they would get a... Trip tick, That's right. You know what a trip tick is, right? A, a trip tick was basically they'd put you a little booklet together, and it had a little sheet for each state and all those things. Some of them would even fold out, and so they would highlight, they would take a marker, and they would highlight your path on there. They would even mark where road construction was going on right now, and sometimes they'd even mark maybe where there was a speed trap that you need to be careful about driving here, all those things. And so as you were making your trip, you'd follow yourself on the map. You'd flip the page when you went from one state to the other, and, and you'd follow that because they had it all highlighted. Till you finally made it to your destination. Now, after the trip ticks, though, we know what came next, right? We had garments, all right, or GPS systems. And so now we didn't have paper in our hand. We would just plug in where we were going, and we'd set it up on our dashboard. Or some of you who are real fancy, you'd stick it to your window, right? And there it would be, and it would show your car on the screen, and it would be showing you the direction. You could see the roads that were upcoming, and it would even point you where to going. Now, an added feature for the GPS was this. If you made the wrong turn, you were blessed with that voice that said, recalculating, right, that voice that you love to hear, right, until about the third time when you wanted to throw it out the window, right? But it would tell you if you made the wrong turn and hopefully get you back on the right track. Now, from GPSs, here's what we know. We've even moved on from that because no longer do we have our garments or our GPSs. We just use our phones. Right. Absolutely. We just pick up our phone. We've put the destination in where we want to go and our phone tells us where to go. All right. And again, if you're fancy, it will even connect to your your car and it'll be on the screen on your car talking to you the whole time unless your car happens to have its own navigation system. You see, we've always used guides in life to get where we want to go. And some of you are probably looking at me say, well, I hear this, Brother Scott, but what's this have to do with a sermon? All right. Well, I'm getting there and I'm going to gladly tell you today. As we seek to make it to the destination of making disciples, we need a guide if we're going to end up in the right place. And so we are clear about the contents of this message today. Let me right up front make this statement. On the journey of discipleship, the Bible is the only sure guide. All right, here it is. If you want to get to the right place, this is the only sure guide. There's no doubt that if we want to end up in the right destination, the Bible has to guide us. In fact, last week we spoke about to some about how part of the disciple-making process is about teaching, teaching all that Jesus had commanded and teaching how to obey what he has commanded. If you're going to teach, there has to be a subject matter that you are teaching, and in, case, in the case of teaching people to become disciples, we must teach them God's truths. You see, there are many things that people can be taught, but disciple of Jesus must be taught the things of God, and there is only one place to find those truths, and that is God's Word. In fact, today, I want us to look at a passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3 that will show us why God's Word is so important to the journey we are on. Let's read the text, and then we're going to come back and make some observations. We're going to be looking 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. Look as Paul wrote to Timothy. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, as we look at this text, we're gonna see four things today that shows us why God's word is so important to the journey and why it is the only sure God. The first one is this of why is a sure God is this it is personally recommended. You see, at the beginning today, I mentioned how we have these guides that, you, that we use on our journeys, whether we still use a printed map, or a GPS, or our phones. But here's what we all know, that as we take this journey, you know something that is even great to have with us in that journey? It's someone who has already been there to guide the way, is that right? Someone who has personally been on that journey, who, who can maybe even look at the map and say, yep, this is the right direction, I know it. Or they can hear the GPS and say, yep, I, I've been there, that's right, just keep going that direction. Because I've been there, I can give you a, a guide. You see, when you have that personal guidance, it adds a measure of confidence to whatever form of guidance you are using. Likewise, when it comes to God's Word, it's always great to have those who have studied, who have applied God's Word to their lives, who can say this to you. I've read it, I've obeyed it, and I've experienced a deeper walk with God because of it. That personal guide makes a world of difference. In our text today, we see where God's word had been personally recommended to Timothy. Notice again what Paul said to Timothy. He said, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. You see, in a journey of discipleship, if you haven't caught it already, it will soon become clear that the personal investment is a key part. When Paul writes to Timothy here, he is encouraging him to continue in what he had learned because of whom he would learned it from. And in part, we know this, that Paul was one of Timothy's teachers. And because we have so much of Paul's life or is recorded in the scriptures, we know this, that Paul was a man who lived out what he believed. Pa- Paul didn't just share what should be done and then not do it himself. Paul lived out his faith. And then he challenged Timothy to do the same. He challenged Timothy to live out the truth of God that Paul had learned, that Paul had then passed on to him. And he says, now, Timothy, you know it. Now you live it out. We also know that Paul wasn't the only one who taught Timothy. We saw a couple of weeks ago that Timothy first learned of the faith from his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Timothy had these people in his life who had not only experienced life-changing encounters with the Lord, but lived it out to the point of sharing that faith with him. And Timothy had benefited from their sharing of the faith with him, or as we put it, they had personally been recommended knowing God's word and living by it. Their personal recommendation of God's word was important because of how it had changed their lives. You see, they were living testimonies of the value of God's word as a guide. Now, let me give you, though, one other personal recommendation for God's word. It would be Jesus himself. Some of you remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all remember that. If you remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, you'll also remember this, that Jesus replied and stood up to every temptation by doing what? By Right, by quoting God's word. And Jesus also gave clear recommendation for God's word then when he went on to say this it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I mean, can there be any stronger personal recommendation about God's word as our guide than these words from Jesus? I mean, I don't think so. We are called to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In fact, I would say this, since Jesus endorses letting the Bible be our guide, that's all the recommendation I really need. How about you? I mean, that's enough for me, but I also find confidence in the scripture when I see how our lives have been personally changed by teaching and and obedience to that teaching. But as I consider the value of a personal recommendation of the Bible, I'm reminded when it comes to a personal recommendation, you should choose carefully, though, who you learn from. You do have to be careful about solely going on a personal recommendation because people can lead you astray. In fact, Paul said as much in the previous verses because he warned about those who would not follow the truth. A few verses before our focal passage today, Paul talked about those in verse, or chapter 3, verse 5. He says, those who live having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. He said, and we should do the same, avoid such people. He went on to say about these people that they are always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. So these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. You see, these words just warn us that we do have to be careful who we learn from, whose recommendation we take, because not everyone who talks a godly talk is really living by that truth. Here's one thing. I think of so many health and wealth preachers here who seem to talk a good talk, but when you look at their lives, they're simply using God's word for their personal gain. In fact, let me just say this to you. I would be very careful. I'd be very careful about following someone who preaches God's word, but then lives an extravagant life. You need to be very careful of those who use God's word for their personal gain. In fact, one marker that can help us know if someone is worthy listening to and their message and see this, see if the main thing that is being recommended in studying God's word and that because God's word points us to Christ, all right? Did you notice even why Paul encouraged Timothy to continue in what he'd learned? Paul encouraged Timothy to continue to look to God's word because Timothy could remember How from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, see look at what Paul pointed to as a main outcome of a commitment to God's word. It is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Above all, we need to understand that God has given us his word because of this. It tells us that we have a sin problem that we cannot solve on our own. Therefore, God sent Jesus to come and to be the sacrifice for the sins of mankind, to come and redeem us from our empty life, to come and rescue us from darkness and to bring us into his marvelous light. Jesus came to truly give us new life where we can walk in his way. If you look at a preacher's teaching and the main emphasis on helping you have a better life or your best life now, or how to pull yourself up, or infatuation with predicting the end of times, you might want to reconsider listening to them. And why? Because the scripture, more than anything else, are meant to point us to our need for Jesus and the salvation he brings. When you read God's word, what becomes very clear is that we are really helpless apart from Jesus, but with Jesus, there is ultimate hope. And when you read the word of God, you are constantly reminded that God is a God of grace, who has poured out his love for you through Jesus Christ. And what God really wants to do is rescue you from yourself, Okay, rescue you from yourself, and then empower you to live for him. That truth is what God wants you to know more than anything else. And the Bible continually and clearly points us to Jesus. I, in fact, even want you to keep this in mind. All right, at the time that Paul wrote these words to Timothy and he talked about these sacred writings that were able to make him wise for salvation, I want you to remember this. What were the sacred writings that Timothy had? It was the Old Testament. It wasn't even the New Testament at this time. The New Testament was still being written. God was still completing his holy word. But Timothy had the sacred scriptures of the Old Testament books. But you know what? You should even notice this back in the fall when we shared our Unbroken series. You should know that the Old Testament was sharing with us the hope of Jesus Christ. Yes, the truth of Jesus became more clear to us through the New Testament as we have recorded the life of Jesus Christ and the early New Testament church. But the Old Testament is able to make one wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It was the Old Testament that was setting the stage and pointing us to our need for faith in Jesus and our hope in him. We can even see it starting with the life of Abraham, where in Genesis 15, 6, it says, and he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. You see, Abraham's life showed us clearly that, that, that God counts righteousness to us through our faith. Righteousness about, not about someone gaining it on their own self-effort. Righteousness cannot be gained by acts of pious religion or even personal sacrifice. Righteousness can only come through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ. Even the truth that it is faith in Jesus that brings our hope of righteousness is proclaimed in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 53, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see here, Jesus' name may not have been mentioned, but we were pointed to the suffering servant who would come and would take care of our sin. These words of Isaiah were fulfilled in the life of Christ as clearly seen in the New Testament, but made clear in 1 Peter 2 where we read, he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. You see, by his wounds we have been healed. Same thing is said in Isaiah, and the healing spoken of here is not a physical healing, and some would use this verse for their own selfish gain. No, these verses here talk about Jesus coming to heal us from our spiritual problem, our sin problem. Yes, Jesus can heal us physically if he desires, but by his wounds we have been spiritually healed. It is a healing of our souls. It was the forgiveness of sin that he paid for and made available to us through faith in him. And since the Bible points us clearly to Christ, you should know this. You should accept God's plan of salvation. In fact, really the first step in your journey of discipleship, your first step in walking with the Lord is to accept Jesus as your savior. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, that is what God wants you to do today. Confess your sin, accept Jesus' death on the cross as the payment for your sin, believe that Jesus rose from the dead three days later, and commit your life to Jesus. The decision to accept God's plan for salvation is the first step in the right direction. In fact, if you're listening to my voice today, whether you're sitting here in this room or you're listening online today, if you don't hear anything else I say, today I want you to hear God's invitation to accept Jesus as your Savior. And if some of you get tired of hearing me say this because you say, well, Brother Scott, you say something similar to that every Sunday. Somewhere in your message, every Sunday, you say something similar. I want you to know it will not be the last time I make a similar appeal because God's Word is the only sure guide for the journey of discipleship, and above all, it points us to our need for faith in Jesus Christ. You hear me? That's what it does. Now, as I say this, I'm sure there will be some who say, well, Why should I believe what the Bible says, all right? Hear what you say, brother. But why should I believe that? Well, the Bible is the only sure guide because it is perfectly inspired. Look again at what Paul wrote to Timothy in verse 16. He said, all Scripture is breathed out by God. In fact, if I could state it another way, we'll say this, all right? The Scripture is the Word of God. He is the one who gave it. Therefore, as you read the scriptures and listen to what it says, you are in essence listening to God speak to you. You are hearing God's voice. It is as if God is with you face to face, talking to you. And if you say, well, Brother Scott, the Bible was written by people. It wasn't written by God. I will say to you, a person might have written down the words, but the words are the words of God. In fact, listen to what Peter wrote in 2 Peter one twenty-one. He said, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I will say to you today, just as the prophet spoke the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of the scriptures as we know it may have been written down by a person, but they did not originate with that person. God inspired the authors to write through the work of the Holy Spirit so that we would have his word for our life. And I don't have time this morning, but if I did, here's what I could do. I could go through the history of the Bible, and we could talk about how God miraculously brought the Bible together as we have it today. We could talk about how God miraculously preserved it through the years. We could talk about how its contents and accuracy were preserved without comparison. As you look at other ancient texts, there is none that compares to the Bible in its completeness and in its accuracy, even though it was written thousands of years ago. And the reason the Bible is such a unique book is because the Bible is God breathed. It is his word. And as it says in Isaiah 48, the grass withers and the flowers fades, but the word of God will stand forever. You see, no doubt the Bible is a sure guide because it doesn't change. You know, earlier when I talked about the guides we use to get our destination, whether that's a map or a GPS or any of those things, we've probably all had this experience at some point in time. If you didn't did much traveling, that whatever guide you were using, at some point in time, it became inaccurate. All right, You, you had a map that wasn't updated. You had a GPS system that you hadn't updated and you got to one place in the road and all of a sudden the road had changed. There had been new construction, new roads were added and you got there and that map no longer pointed you in the right direction or that GPS got confused because there was a road there that, 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 that wasn't there before. And so something goes wrong. That's happened to all of us. Well, here's the good news for you. You ready? The Bible doesn't change. It is always accurate because it is the unchanging word of God. That's why it is our sure God. Now, considering this, you tell me something. If the Bible is the word of God, does it make it desirable? Does it make it desirable? It, yes, it does. It should. I pray that you understand its value. In fact, because the Bible is the word of God, you should commit to learning God's word. Here's some things I probably know. I, I know for the best fans of Fixer Upper... You probably got a copy of Chip and Joe's book, The Magnolia Story, right? Because you wanted to know more about their life. I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you have a copy in your home today. I won't do that to you, all right? For those who are fans of Tim Tebow, maybe you've got, gotten his book called Through My Eyes. I have that one on my shelf because I'm a Tim Tebow fan. Or there are people who are fans of Abraham Lincoln who read the writings of Abraham Lincoln or maybe one of his biographies. Some may have read the autobiography of Martin Luther King Jr. to learn of his leadership in seeking racial equality. Because you were interested in knowing more about that person that you admired, you read their book. But you invested time to know them. And what I'm simply saying to believers is that if you love God, you should want to get to know him better. And the way you do that is through reading his word. And you should commit to reading your Bible. Now, with that, some of you are even going to say, well, Brother Scott, I I hear what you're saying. But I just don't have the time to read the Bible. my, My life is busy. I don't have time. If that is you, will you do me a little, do a little exercise for me this morning, all right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to check your screen time and see how much time you've been on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, any of those things. Check your screen time and see how much time is there, all right? If you don't use your phone, check your computer. See how much time you've been on your And here's my guess. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but here's my guess, all right? You spent more time on your devices than you did reading the Word of God. So here's what that tells me. Here's what it tells me. It's not a matter of time. It's not a matter of do I have enough time. It is a matter of priority, all right? All right? Because, again, even if it wasn't your phone, if it wasn't all those things, it could have been in your TV... Or maybe it could be your time reading another book, which I know is not as important as the Bible. In fact, many Christians read their favorite Christian authors and consider that their reading time, their Bible reading time. Well, you may know what your favorite author may have said about the Bible, but you don't know what the Bible says. And so what I would encourage you to do is sometimes even drop another book and pick up reading the Bible because it is your only sure guide. All right. We as believers need to commit to learning God's word because it is the sure guide. Think about this. All right, if you do have an old GPS, what you can do is choose the voice you listen to. All right, likewise, I'm saying to you as believers, we have a choice of which voice we're going to listen to, and we need to choose to listen to the voice of God. And if you say, I have a hard time hearing God's voice when I read the Bible, either again, you're not either not reading the Bible or maybe this, maybe you haven't come to know Him yet. Because Jesus said this in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I'm not saying that it's always easy to know specifically what God wants, but if you are a follower of the Lord, you can hear his voice again and again and again, and most specifically as you read his word. Because much of what God desires for his disciples is very clear in his word, yet people fail to read it. We must commit to learning God's word if we want to end up at discipleship. And if you want me to tell you how I know reading God's Word can produce disciples, it is because we know that the Bible is a sure guide because it is profitable for right living. In other words, if you are reading God's Word, His guide for your life, and you are doing what it says, it will be beneficial to your life. It will change your life. And I know it's beneficial because I've seen God's Word change many lives. Here's what Paul stated to Timothy. He says, in verse 1617, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, earlier we read where the scripture makes us wise for salvation as we are pointed to Jesus Christ. Salvation gives us the hope of eternal life and it gives us a new start. Salvation is about being forgiven by God's grace. Now here in these verses we read where the Scripture is profitable for everyday life and it does so much for us. Notice, look at this, it is profitable for teaching. In other words, this helps us know what is right in God's eyes. If you want to know, how do I get to heaven? Guess what? The Bible teaches you. All right, if you want to know, should I be baptized? Baptized? I got news for you. The Bible gives you that direction. If you wonder, well, I I don't know what I should pray or I don't know how I should pray, guess what? The Bible shows you those things. If you want to know how do I interact with others, the Scriptures tell us those things. If you want to know how to deal with hurts and pains and tragedy, all right, you find all that guidance right here in the Scriptures. What you need to do is pick it up and read it. And when you do, it will teach you how to deal with all those things. There's so much knowledge in God's Word to be gained, and if I, and if you spend time reading and studying it, you will learn because God's Word teaches. However, notice, it's not just for teaching. It is also profitable for reproof. Y'all know what reproof is, right? Y'all know what that is? In other words, it's good for showing you, all right, showing me when we're wrong, all right? It's like I told you, mentioned a while ago, it's like that annoying GPS voice that says recalculating, Right? There are times when you can read God's word and you can pick it up and you can read it and it's like you'll hear God's voice say to you, you're on the wrong track. You're going the wrong direction. There needs to be a change in your life. It'll show you what's going on in your life. Maybe it's saying you have an unforgiving spirit or maybe it'll show you you have a gossiping habit or maybe it'll show you have a drinking problem or that you have a spirit of pride. It could be any number of things going on in your life, but the Bible will clearly reproof you help to set you on the right course. Because notice it says this. It's not only profitable for reproof, but it's also profitable for, rec- for correction. Okay? For correction. I hope you understand this. You ready? God never wants to just make you feel bad about your life and how you're living it. That's never God's intent. God doesn't want to just make you feel bad about your life. In fact, if you're a believer, you, you know what the Word says? The, the Word says to, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Because that's not how God's up. God's not about condemning you. He doesn't want to make you feel bad. But you know what he does want to do? He does want to correct you. or other words, he wants to convict you. What he wants to do is show you where you're wrong, but then also show you how you can make it right. He wants to correct that. And why? Because he wants you to live for him, but ultimately he knows this. When you live in his will and you live in a way that pleases him, it is beneficial to your life. It will bless your life as you live for him. And so God's not seeking just to condemn you. He is seeking to correct you and get you on the right path for his glory. And listen, for your good. The Bible indeed helps us in that way because, in fact, notice the last part that it mentions. It's also profitable for training in righteousness. The Bible indeed helps us to know what is the right way to live. It shows us how to live in a way that pleases God. Now, as we think about the profitability of God's Word, you should be challenged to do this. Let God's Word guide your life. You know, as I've been saying this morning, God's Word is the only sure guide to get us to the right destination, To help you see what a great guide it is, look back at your text and what it says is the end result of God's Word working in our life. Look at verse 17 at the end. It says that the man, all right, or let me go ahead and add, the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Think about that. When you let the Word of God be your guide, you are, it says, complete. It will help you be mature. It will keep you from lacking what you need in life and it will equip you for every good work. In fact, this is even a reminder that studying God's word is not just about gaining knowledge. It is not about just having biblical facts so if you're ever on Jeopardy and they ask the question, who is the oldest man to ever live, you can look back and say, who is Methuselah? That's not reading the Bible about. That's not what studying the Bible is about. It's not about having those facts, all right? The word of God guides you to the place where you are equipped to do God's work, which I will say is in part making other disciples. If you let the word of God guide you, I have no doubt that you can join us on the journey of discipleship and in the end, you can end up making disciples. And so my question for you today is this, if the Bible is the only sure guide, will you let the Bible be your guide today? Again, it is the only sure one for your lives. In fact, maybe to end this morning, here's here's what we need to do, all right? We're gonna end today because I I hope you're gonna let God's word be your guide. So we're gonna end with a song. Are you okay if I lead y'all in a song? Are y'all okay for that? I know Jacob does much better than I, okay? I know that. But let me lead you in a song. If you know it, sing along, right? The B I B L E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E Bible, that's right. (laughs) Today, here's my hope. My hope is you would let the Bible be your guide because it is the only sure guide we have. Would you pray with me, Father? We bow into your presence today, and we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Word that indeed is a guide to our life, a guide that reminds us again of your love for us. And the hope that we have in Jesus. But also, we thank you that you've given us this word to guide us in our life that we might live in a way that pleases you and in a way that benefits our life as well. And so, God, today, my prayer for those listening, whether here or at home, Father, my prayer today is that we would truly make that commitment to let your word be our guide in life. Too often, Father, we're turning to the wrong places. We are turning sometimes, too. The internet and all these places to say, how do I live? How do I do this? What what is right? But, Father, the place that we should be turning more than anywhere else is your word. Because I know, Father, if we turned to your word and knew it better, some of the things we read out in the world that are so false we wouldn't believe, because we know that your word would have told us otherwise, and that we can trust in you and let you guide us. And so, Lord, may we be a church that your word stands tall, that your word truly is our only guide, not just as a church body, but as individuals. Truly, Lord, that we can be changed and we can help make other disciples who know your word and are living by that same word. And so, God, as we come to this invitation, we want your spirit to move. There may be some this morning that need to come and take that first step of giving their life to Jesus because, Lord, we know that they're not going to fully live for you or follow your word, even know your word, until they've given their life to Jesus. And so if there's one who needs to come today, I pray this would be the moment that they would give their life to Jesus Christ, the one who died for them, to give them ultimate hope. But Father, for all of us, I pray that we would make that commitment today to know your word more. Maybe whether it's this week where we say, you know, I'm going I'm to get off my phone 15 minutes less and, and read God's word. Or I'm going to spend the first hours of my day today, every day, digging into God's word. Whatever that commitment someone needs to make, my prayer would be for all of us. We would make your word a higher priority that truly it would be our guide in life. So, God, this invitation, again, is yours as always. Move in it. And I pray folks will respond.